I'll react if I had to Put some things in the past to And don't let them distract you But react if you have to I'll react if I had to Put some things in the past to And don't let them distract you But react if you have to React if you have to Yeah don't know the time, wait, just know that I'm, yeah, one of a kind, yeah, what's on your mind, yeah, what hard to find, yeah, beautiful mind, yeah, still in my prime, yeah, just know that I'm, yeah. What's up, guys? Pondoff Synonymous, episode 29, coming at you um, live from my shitty rink-a-dink-ass basement where my light's been flickering a little bit, um, so apologize in advance. Looks good, man. I think it's great. Okay. I apologize because I forgot my fancy microphone, and so you only get to hear me through my computer's audio today. Well, that's, that's okay, Jeff. Your voice still sounds great. Thanks. It's like butter, smooth. Well, you're a fucking musician. You get up there and wail. This is a acapella. Yes. <laughs> So we got a pretty cool guest on. I've been uh, excited to um, to say the least to, for this um, because it, of the uh, the level of importance. When, when we started this podcast, he was uh, number one on my list to have on this uh, um, have on this show. So it's taken us twenty nine episodes to get him on. Um, not his fault, definitely mine. And it was in, kind of intentional, and we'll we'll get into that later. But uh, without, uh, you know, who needs no introduction? This is uh, my little brother, uh, steroid freak. Just kidding, Eric Conley. Thank you, Eric, for being here. Yo, we need to we need to pump in some like the Ultimate Warriors entrance music. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. It's an honor to be on here. It's an honor to be on here. There was some contract disputes, and, you know, <laughs> got in, so that's kind of what took so long. You can tell the people that, Chris. Yeah. That, Eric asked us before we got on, he said he was waiting by the door for our makeup team to show up and, and, and get them dialed up <laughs> Absolutely. a little um, Eric and, and I go way back, and... Um, he he's he's been like a little brother to me since uh since I got into high school. And uh for a while there I thought I was leading him down the right path, but uh maybe that was a maybe that was bullshit. Well um as as we as we kind of talk about Eric's story, but um Eric, I recognize that that wall that you're that where you're sitting at. <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh Many uh, many nights down here in my former grandmother's basement. Uh huh. So it's it's uh it's my office now. Nice. And, uh, funny how life works, but uh, yeah, awesome. it's got a little nice little '80s theme going on there. That's so, I like that though, a little retro. 60, could be '60s. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's it's my comfort zone, man. Well, that's good stuff. I uh, your your grandma was uh, was one of a kind, man. She was always so welcoming. And, yeah, man. Uh, and you were, uh, I think, uh, she always uh, loved you and referred to you as uh, Eddie Haskell. That's your yeah, your grandma and uh, your mother. Yeah, uh-huh. that could not be more appropriate. <laughs> yeah, right. 
<laughs> I, I, uh, we talk. Well, we'll get to that to to your to your mother, but um, yeah, she she pretty much coined me with that term out of the gate, and basically let me know that she, uh, her your her and your father could knew I could be full of shit, but I was. But they they I, I loved them. I loved them to death, and um, the goal of this episode, Eric, is is to share your story and then not piss your sister off. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah, good luck. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, oh, Jeff's uh, monitoring that that edit button. The, so uh, that's a that's a feat in itself. I we have a new edit policy, so whatever you say goes. Well, we're gonna uh, any any angry emails we get from your sister, we'll we'll Jeff can Jeff is HR. We'll we'll let him handle. Nice, oh, great. <laughs> so so just to get it out of the way, Eric. Eric has two sisters. Um, one of them, her and I were super close high school sweethearts, if you will. And um, easy, Chris. Easy. I think, <laughs> I think I could say that. Um, and we're still we're still close friends today. With you know, we were all family. There goes that light. But um, that's why <laughs> that's probably a sign. Like, hey, stop, take it easy. <laughs> okay, Diane. Um, anyway, we uh, you know we done a lot of life together uh and and eric and i were always had bonded all throughout um jennifer and i's relationship and and friendship subsequently and um and we've had a lot of fun together um and then it went sideways uh we both we actually both uh took our own courses as eric and i did i went one way you know lived my life as he was you know much younger than i am coming up through I think he's 44 years younger than I am. 33. Yeah. 33. So, so what are you? You're 42, right? So a little bit Get the more. fuck out of here. <laughs> he's a ball breaker, Jeff. You got to watch him. Um, I love it. We, we, I am 36, asshole. And uh, I was Listen, a... Listen, man. I seen that hairy chest before we opened up this video. So... Uh... Look like a bunch of spiders having a meeting on you. If I have to get up, if I have to get up, if I have to get up, it's because I got to go stir the fucking meatballs. All right, um, they're on the stove. Uh, the ziti's in the oven. Anyway, um, so Eric was doing his high school thing, and then once we all uh, graduated, I think we started um, self-medicating. I think, for the lack of better terms, right, Eric? Absolutely, and. Um, you know, just to to get right into it, we, Jeff, we brought up our, you know, the how I was pretty close with with Eric's mom, and and this is probably this is kind of a heavier week, and the reason that that Eric is just now coming on is because I always wanted to 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 catch him, um, to to try to honor his his mother passed away ten. <clears throat> Go ahead, Eric. You tell the you tell the story. It's your story to tell, brother. Yeah, no, it's um, when you first reached out, we coordinated uh, about uh, the date being July 15th. So that's uh, mother passed away from cancer. So that's her actually 10 year anniversary. So it's uh, couldn't make it happen just uh, due to a uh, couple different variables, work and, and just kind of time. But uh, no, it's an honor. And I, uh, um, I'm I'm just honored to be on, man. It's it's uh you know I don't know how far to dive deep into it, but I'm just glad to be on, and it's an honor. Um, like you said, this our relationship stems back years and years, and you have always been my big brother. 
still to this day, I refer to you as my big brother. And, uh, you know, I believe that uh, everything happens for a reason. And it's not a, I've heard of coincidences. I've never seen them. So here we are 10 years later, you know, because my family loved you, loves you, still loves you. Um, and we still keep in contact. And Absolutely. Thought is, is uh, I would say in my family, my mom, she adored you, man. So it's an honor. I'm truly blessed to be on here, clean and sober with you and Jeff. And once again, man, it's uh, she's smiling down, brother. She's smiling down. It gives me. It gives me goosebumps, man. She, uh, Jeff, she would. I, I would come in her house, and the first thing I'd tell is how beautiful her hair looked and how clean her house was. And that is a very Eddie Haskell move. I mean, it was yeah. it was textbook, textbook Eddie Haskell. She, do you know, you know, chalk this up to twenty twenty that the real Eddie Haskell passed away a couple months ago. I mean, it's like yeah, I saw that. Fuck, everybody's going down, man. Um, so yeah, today, yeah. Today's Saturday, um, the what? What are we on, guys? The 18th. So the 15th, I think, mm-hmm. was on Wednesday, and and Eric, uh, he's he's as busy as they get at, at work. And um, we said, let's just do it on Saturday, and it's perfect because it'll it'll release on the the Monday after July 15th, and that that was super important to me because I, I told Eric on Wednesday how I, I like I, I tangibly feel, if that makes sense, I, I in my skin, in my heart, in my gut her pride in, in this kid and and what he has overcome and battled through. And God, man, I, I, I'm like, I just want to hulk the fuck up. Like, that is how I feel, okay? Because I know it, Eric. She is, and you know it, right? Absolutely. Your family. Every right? day. Uh-huh. Every day, man, I talk, uh, I'm not... I'm not, you know this, Chris, I'm not a, you know, when we grew up, we, I didn't go to church. We didn't go to church. It was usually midnight mass and uh, family was half loaded. I went to a couple of those with you. <laughs> I know. That was fun. So that was, uh, we got in, we had to check the foundation before we walked into the, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> outside of that, man, we didn't. But today I'm a, I'm a spiritual guy. I have a strong spiritual relationship and without fail. Without fail, every single morning, I go through my ritual and serenity prayer, and it's usually my time in the morning in the shower, and and uh, I keep her spirit alive. I talk to her every day. So, um, yeah, man, it, it's 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 interesting how how life is has changed dramatically. Um, you know, several years ago, I thought uh, I was content in active addiction, thinking that. Uh, Four years, almost four years later, that I'd be sitting here and like, not a chance, not a chance. So, uh, join the statistics group. It's well, and and not only to to honor you and your journey, um, to honor your mom and and your and your family that that when that her illness and and when she passed away, what it what it does to the family um and we've talked before it's similar to when we're in our addiction how it affects everyone around us our family when when something when somebody that is is, uh, part of a a family that 
is sick and that passes away, it, it affects everyone. And so we want to honor that today. Um, and on top of that, your story gives so much fucking hope to, to people. And you know that more than I do because you see it every day. And, um, and I want to get there and, and I kind of want to start Eric from the beginning, um, of, if you can go through, go through how, when it became, you know, it was partying and having a good time to where it became a, a fucking problem. Not necessarily when you recognized it was a problem, but looking back and, and, and then how it got under control. So I'm going to give you the mic. I'll, um, I'll try to help, help lead you. Um, it, it's, it's an open forum, brother. You, it's your show and, uh, your story is so fucking powerful. It's, it's wise of me to get out of the way. So, and you know, I'm a fucking talker, so that's a little hard to do, but I'll, I'm going to do it. Jeff, give me the the cutthroat sign if I start. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right. So, Eric, when did when did uh, let's go back to that night in high school? You were in high school that me and your sister had to pick you up. If you remember uh, that night, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I only remember it because um because I woke up at your house right. and you and my sister. Everybody, uh, you specifically, Chris, know that she is never really shy or uh, short with words. We, this is where we got to be uh, careful because. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, it, uh, I think, Chris, if it, it was freshman year. So um, that night. Of high school, Jeff. Of, yeah, freshman year of high school. And um, me and one of my other buddies, we we're kind of getting to that point in high school where, you know, it's time to, it's time to explore. It's, mm-hmm. it's time to see what's out there. Um, I think my era was more of like, you know, we knew what alcohol, beer and liquor is, but uh, the, the exploration starts with opening mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncles, you know, medication, their, uh, their cabinet and seeing what's in there. So um, we had a bright idea. To take a medication, uh, and I think it was uh, Ambien, you know, to, to, to try a sleep medication, right? Couldn't hurt, right? It's just deductive reasoning, like, hey, you know, when you're half sleepy, you have fun. Well, I don't know what the prescriptions or the medication, how much it is, but we took too much, point blank. I remember that. You did. At that point in our uh, active addiction, not there yet, right, but that point in our um, in our lives, just trying things out. Um, we took too much, right? And uh, my family, I tried driving. Um, my parents' house at the time still is about uh, a, two blocks away from where I'm at now. So I drove my, my Jeep from my house to at the time where my sister and grandma were living, mm-hmm. which is here, and uh, couldn't make it there. Couldn't make it there. It was a little five-speed transmission, Jeep Cherokee, and I'm pushing in the clutch with my hand, parked on the side of the road, trying to push my vehicle, me and my buddy. And uh, to fast forward, one of my sisters called you, Chris. I'm sure it was filled with uh, unpleasant <laughs> unpleasant feelings and a uh, whole lot of what the fuck is taking place, what is happening. And um, you picked me up, man. Look out and uh, 
think there was a side note when I stayed there that night. I think you were having a party at your house, but we I'm sure I, I was, yeah. I can't speak to that the certainty of that, but um I think on copious amounts of sleep medication, I think I woke up and so it must have been a pretty lively party. So uh that says anything, yeah. but that was really the tipping point between having a couple beers and then taking the next step and seeing what else is out there. Right. So mm-hmm. um by that point we probably took a couple puffs of weed and stuff like that. Um I know we did actually, but um that's when the pill era started. So that's really kind of the starting point of what led to uh, you know, really crossing that imaginary line of addiction and um graduating through the timeline into what ultimately led to heroin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we kid about your sister. She uh Jeff, you think I got a I got a mouth on me. Um she's a firecracker, but uh it's because she fucking loves you more than anything in the world and um that's yeah, we know that, you know that. And uh she's a you'd think she was a full-blown Italian sometimes with that that mouth, but it um she's got a huge heart and and she was watching her brother. She was fucking freaked out. We both were um because I mean, this is, he was a freshman in high school, you know, 14, 15 years old. And I'm a, I was a senior and she was, I think, in co- a freshman year in college, graduated a year after or before me. Um, always had a thing for older women. My wife's much older than me. She's going to kill me if she listens to this fucking episode. <laughs> um, however, uh, we were, we were just, I mean, drinking whiskey and Captain Morgan and everything you could to get smoking weed, but I was, I personally was never a pill, a pill guy. Um, and I didn't, I've seen the, I've seen people fucked up on, on drugs, but when it was Eric, it hit me like it was a little, it was like, what the, you know, because we, as you know, there's laws now you freak out when you don't know if somebody's, especially when you're intoxicated and using, whether it's alcohol or not, you don't know if that person is is fucking falling out or what they're doing. And it's in the moment, it's so hard to make a decision. Do you call the police or the ambulance or do you just try to get this motherfucker awake? Right. And it's led to people yeah. dying. I mean, that's a, that's a whole thing out there. Um, I'm sure Eric has seen it and sees it and has conversations about it all the time doing what he does for work. And we'll get there. But, um, yeah, Chris, Eric- you, were, you were the first person, <clears throat> You were the first, first, very first person to uh, to talk to me about the pills, right? And I remember you saying, hey, listen, that's, uh, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, that's it's one thing to have a couple beers and maybe take a couple pulls off the bong or something like that, right? <laughs> uh-huh. that's, uh, that's what, you know, we're normal, right, uh, exploration of what's out there and other substances looks like, right? But right. you were the first person to say, like, listen, man, that pill stuff, it didn't matter. You didn't, you know, uh, um, categorize any particular pill. You just said pills in general. So you were actually the first person to have that talk with me. Like, listen, that's that's no good. That's no good. So Yeah, a whole lot of fucking good it did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Nice pep talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, hashtag fail. Um, no, I, I, I don't. 
It you know, and and it sounds. Don't 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 take pills, but drink two bottles of fucking whiskey and shoot some Rumplemans, right? And and do all kinds of crazy yeah. shit, right? Like so, yeah. Words yeah. of wisdom, right? Like a responsible fifteen year old, exactly. You know I mean? And we got Eric. I, I, freshman Eric had an interesting freshman year in high school, thanks to well, the summer going into freshman year, I got him arrested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me yeah, and uh, responsibly drinking Rumplemans. So uh-huh. it, just don't do any pills. We yeah that was I I forgot you know, it. Do, do you know what the cops said to me that night? Oh, no, what's that? So uh, uh, the background for uh, the listeners uh-huh. and the viewers, uh, all six of them. <laughs> yeah, right. We went to the par- we went to a party. We left. My sister left early, and for whatever reason, we got in a fight. She- we got in a fight. It just that's- I tried to church it up, Chris. I tried right. to throw you a bone there, but and uh, it was her fault. Fucking a right. It was her fault. <laughs> And so when she left, you were going to take me back to your house. I'm staying the night at your house. And I don't know who, but someone had a bright idea to take the trash bag full of, you know, 200, 300 empty beer cans and get rid of them. Right. Like, just take it with us. Pile it in the van. There's only six of them. And uh, it's in the middle of the early morning. Right. Two, three a.m. And also, let's go uh, look at the neighborhood where these nice million-dollar homes are being built. So <laughs> we took a we took a tour, Jeff, and just uh, viewed everything, like the nice new community that's being built. And um, <laughs> so when the cop pulled us out, you know, it was one by one. I was the last one to to be pulled out of this van, which since I was. Figuratively speaking, still wearing diapers at four, <laughs> right? The cops probably also thought, what the hell else is going on here? But the cops said, how old are you? And when I told him, I think I truly, I think I was 13 and almost 14 because it was eighth grade summer. He says, you're not even old enough to have hair on your balls. <laughs> That's what the cop said to me. And then he told my mom I was the most polite young man he's ever met. So he threw me a bone on me a young man. Still a a wet behind the ears boy. (laughs) He little did he know. He was doing keg stands. He was, pour me another one, you know. (laughs) Had the hat with the two cans on it. (laughs) Yeah, nobody put a gun to his head, all right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was, uh, so, so, so. It it we, we had some fun together. There's there's no doubt, and um, and 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 I think it plays in. And, and I'm not trying to be a shrink or, or a therapist here. So so tell I, by all means tell me if I'm wrong. But at this time, your mother was in remission, um, had beaten a round of cancer, but like I couldn't imagine go. Your mom's cancer was, I mean, not like that's a weak kind of cancer, but there was nothing fucking pretty about the first round of cancer she had. And you always stop me, okay? I don't want to overspeak or, or speak out of turn. And you know, Oh, you're good. I want to stay in my lane. But if I were your age going through that, watching my mother through that, that would traumatize the fuck out of me. And learning in this new life that I'm living, if you will, that a lot of... Like childhood childhood trauma is a real thing, and it and it shapes us way more than anybody ever thought. Um, so going through that when you were 
grade school, right? Um, yep. And and everything that entailed with that first battle she had, uh, to and, and that's a fucking understatement. Um, I wonder if that if that set everything up uh, that for for trauma because we not every everybody deals with it differently, right? Like, I mean, your sisters went through it um, and didn't go down the path that you did. I, um, right. We, but we deal with it differently. And, and just looking back and, and assessing, and I think it's a, a important to note that because as your story continues here to today, this morning, you're, you're going to get to the next round that she, she had. And I think that how it, how it got you, you know, where you were. Sure. But it's, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, go ahead. No, yeah, Chris, it's like you said, everybody, everybody handles trauma, grief, loss, um, all of that differently. I found my sisters would never, didn't ever, um, you know, find the way I found to cope. Mm -hmm. And I only know that by, by, uh, counseling, rehab, um, members in recovery, 12 step fellowship, um, you know, self-reflection, uh, all that, right. I don't, I only know it that way. Um, but my sisters and my family, you know, my, my sisters, I have two older sisters, right? So Jennifer and Angie found it one way. My dad found it, uh, the same way they just put their head down, you know, pedaled faster, grinded harder. Uh, now I know it as move a muscle, change of thought per se. Right. And I found an outside force, that by all accounts worked. It just worked all too well for that imaginary line we cross from becoming that guy, you know, after work having a, uh, you know, a, a beer to decompress and, you know, with or a glass of wine for dinner to, you know, full blown, let me wake up in the morning and do what I need to do, which is, uh, you know, in order to just go, operate through the day, get through the day, right? So my way of doing that was um, looking back, I was probably clinically depressed, right? I was uh, anxious and a whole bunch of other feelings that only a therapist could tell me are, but I found a way that worked, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all too well. I want to reiterate all too well. And then, uh, you know, it created that, that timeline from, something to help me cope to where I can just continue operating through the day to, to, uh, now I'm mentally, uh, I'm physically dependent and mentally obsessed. So as, as you progress through high school and then after high school, you, it was still pills, right? It was pills where you're. Yes. Yeah. All through, all through high school. High school, it just started out with, uh, really, it was painkillers, right? So that was, it was painkillers through and through. No other other pills. Um, I tried them all. Tried ever, all the other different, you know, benzos and, and, and any speed and stuff like that. But painkillers was something that I found early on. And it was just a, a weekend thing. Hey, it's Saturday. Let's... Uh, there's a party. Let's have a couple of beers. Let's take a couple of Vicodin. We're good to go. Right. And it was like that through all through high school. 
all through high school. There was never one time that I woke up in high school and thought, man, I need that to go to school or I need that. It, it was just a want mm-hmm. at that point. Um, later on towards the end of high school, senior year, going before I got to college, I seen individuals that were before me were getting pretty, pretty entrenched with Oxycontin. And I started to hear and see that they needed it on a daily basis. And I remember having a good conversation with one of my best friends at the time and asking him like, man, how do, how do these guys do that every day? That's crazy. That's bizarre. How can you wake up in the morning, get high and then go to work or school or be around family, anything like that? (coughs) Naive, not realizing how highly addictive the substances are or any substance for that matter. If you know, you don't, uh, or if you abuse it. And um, I remember that, that conversation specifically. And so it's pretty ironic to where it, that's kind of a glimpse of my mindset of that happens to other people. That doesn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. So seeing it on a daily basis and after high school going into college, that's when my mom got sick the second time. Now she is prescribed this pain medication, right? So she's prescribed painkillers, stage four breast cancer that metastasized to her liver and bones. Now I have access to them. She's never, she never took any. She doesn't know what they are. She's heard the horror stories, but she never took any. But somehow, not because of her, at the end of each month, she needed a refill. So it doesn't take very long for mom to say, who's taking, <laughs> who's taking the fucking pills? What are they, growing legs and walking out of the bottle? Uh, it's, it was something where she was the first one and the only one, <clears throat> I believe that knew I was taking them more regularly, um, through high school as she had the, her last time with cancer she had before she passed away, she had it for, I could be mistaken. My sisters know it a little bit better, but I think about three years she had it. She battled it. Um, but towards the end, <clears throat> Before she would go to work, I got to throw it in there. My mom was, she was an all-star. She was a, a beast. She still all through the week with stage four cancer through chemo and radiation and, and all the sickness, still getting up and going to work. Not because she had to, because she wanted to. And, um, but every day before she left, I would ask her, because she started hiding the medication, because if I'm control, if I'm in control of that medication, that that pill bottle, gone in one or two days. Right. So she started leaving me two at a time, two at a time, two at a time, two more in the evening. Right. And and I never disclose that information because it gives a false interpretation of as if my mom was okay with it. She was not. It's she loved me so much that if I didn't get what I wanted, well then I was a uh, I was a brat. I was stomping my feet, crying. I was the guy, the kid stomping to his room saying, I hate you, mom, you know, and and doing that stuff. Right. So it was her way of making me happy, but yet still a concern. And she's, she said numerous times, Eric, I don't like this. I don't like this, but 
Um, I don't have kids, but it's not hard to imagine that, uh, you know, if you're getting in an argument with your kids every day about you not leaving medication, pain medication that they don't need, but they want, and it's always creating a shit show of an argument, then they're going to love you enough to where it's going to say, okay, here it is. This ain't worth it, right? Especially when she's on her deathbed. Mm. i throw that in there. She's on her deathbed. The last thing she wants to do with her son or youngest is argue every day, day in and day out about not leaving pain medication that I'm currently abusing, right? Mm. Uh, so that's kind of, that laid the foundation for what led to full-blown active addiction, right? But that's by Eric's doing. So that's that's something I never really, I never shared with anybody. So so that's uh, that's the first, but that's how it unfolded from a socially, recreationally, using it to full-blown addiction. Um, that's powerful shit, man. Um, and I, you know, when you hear somebody talking and telling a story, you, you, you try to relate and uh, on your own personal experiences. And, and I had that no, no way was he ever sick or anything. Um, I had that with my old man where, it was, uh, I mean, I, I mean, it enabled it, but it was more, we, we drank together and did other things together. And if he didn't want to supply at our party, yeah, I do the same brat shit you're talking about. Um, sure. so that hits home, man. And, um, your, your sister, both of them actually used to always bitch because I mean, they made they may fucking argue this, but I, I think it's a fact of life of who your mom's favorite was. And she used to, she used to go do that, go, go work the way she worked just so she could buy you shit, clothes, video games. I mean, trust me, I used to hear about how unfair it was all day long. <laughs> yep. The, the, the common phrase at, uh, at the Conley's house was I would fuck up <laughs> and my sisters would ask my mom or, or, uh, go gripe to her or bitch and moan, complain, whatever vernacular you want to use. <laughs> and my mom would say her, her catchphrase was, he's just a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so, so that, that pretty much tells you, and I always say this, right? My dad is my role model, my mentor, my icon, my, my best friend, my everything. If I'm half the man he is when I grow up, right? Mm-hmm. I'll be successful at anything I do. My sisters are my best friends, my confidants. My mom, I am a mama's boy <laughs> through and through. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, she, uh, I'm a mama's boy. That's that should be self-explanatory. Yeah, I know it. And and your your father, who I I, I refer to as Mister Conley, is a uh, a role model of mine as well. And um, I was thinking today before we came on on, uh, he's he's a he was always my uh, go to guy if I needed something fixed, especially a, a car related. He's uh, very hands on and, and handy, and the typical guy that can fix about anything. And he told me yeah. one time he's uh, I, I was you know, parked on the street over at your house and he, and he's kind of smelt something. And he's like, Hey Chris, he's like, uh, you might be due for an oil change. Like, Oh yeah, I'm sure I, it's been a long time. He goes, well, let me go pop the hood. Let me, let me check the oil. 
checks the oil. He goes, yeah, I'd say you're due for an oil change, seeing that there's no freaking oil in the damn thing. <laughs> your sister, your sister yeah. fell on the ground and had almost almost pissed herself. But uh, I, I just I was like, well, Mr. Conley, I go, I, uh, I've been kind of busy. He goes, well, he goes, you're not too busy right now to get in the car. We're going to get some oil in your car before and your dad's going to thank me later because you're going to blow the engine on this son of a bitch. <laughs> So anytime, yeah. yeah. I, but any and anytime I came over and he was he was working on something, I was like, "Oh, Mister, I'd be happy to help." But I got this. My shoulder from from a hockey game is 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 I, I can't I can't put any weight on it. So yeah, that's what I tell Molly uh, when she wants back rubs. I tell her, "Oh, babe, I got arthritis is setting in on my hand. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough for me to move my hands like that." So so, I get so just a, a little break because we're gonna get to. To some pretty hard shit, Eric. Uh, we since you brought her up, um, congratulations. Uh, why don't you share with uh, what your dumbass did last weekend? <laughs> so um, took the plunge, man. <laughs> is that what the is that what the the grown folks refer to it as? I uh, I proposed I proposed to not my now fiance uh, Molly. She. Um, this September will be six years, so let's say five years it's taken me to start thinking about this. I've always had it there, but it became increasingly more more real, right? And to kind of tie it all in, there was never a question of who um, or if. It was always a question of it, – it, it, there was a lot of bumps along the way, Right on my my doing she stuck with me through the trenches active addiction sobriety active addiction sobriety constant return to use um you know composed together some time a year nine months year and a half return to use and 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 etc so uh she has stuck by me she is my rock um and she said yes but she <laughs> is that's important yeah you know, there was a little bit of negotiation that was involved. Uh, I searched couch cushions and center councils of the couple vehicles that I own uh, to to afford this thing they call a. Uh, <laughs> um, Come up with know. a couple old Cheetos with some. Yeah, right. Well, any shiny nickel I could get, I I tried to make a old Dorito crumb into a. <laughs> uh, Flip it into a nickel if needed to afford this thing. But uh, she said yes, man. And it's uh, one of the happiest days of my life, um, if not the happiest day of my life. There, Like I said, it's taken me a long time, but it was always because of me. I was I still to this day. It's, uh, it's all fear-based, man. You know, am I going to be a good husband? Can I provide for her? Can I, um, you know, change my ways to where it's, it's time to, as I would say, be a grown man? You know, no more boyish stuff. There's not that. Uh, it's the next step in the process of growing a family, which I'm excited for. Um, but I will not sit here and lie. It's it's fearful, mm -hmm. right? When you're in recovery. It's only a, a daily reprieve. So if you're not vigilant on your recovery, then uh, you lose everything. So the first thing you put in front of that is the first thing you lose in active addiction. So, um it was a long time coming, but I am happy and I'm blessed and grateful that she said yes. So I wonder if she would have said yes if I would have just, you know, maybe got her like a, a 
Cracker Jack ring ha. and did it that way. So, but we'll never know that. Part. No, we'll you, I think you made the right decision. Yeah, <laughs> it looks pretty shiny on 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 Facebook. Uh, you know, we've never met in person, but I feel I know her well, and and I think she kind of kind of sweet on me a little bit. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, she is hot. She's beautiful. I should say that's more appropriate. Um, you know, Thanks. maybe one day Eric and I could, you know, what brothers do, arrange a little swap or something. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope uh, Ashley don't listen to this. But uh, anyway, um, congratulations. I it, it's a it's it, it's really a, a culmination of where you've gotten to. And, and let me give you some advice on the on the fearful stuff. I, I fall down that go down that rabbit hole to use the cliche quite often. Um, <clears throat> now being a father. When I start thinking about Charlie going to high school and and living the life that we lived, right, and it freaks me the fuck out, um, wrecking cars or you know just all the possibilities and dangers, and because our I don't know I guess it's the way we lived, our minds go there, and instead of thinking of all the cool shit that could happen in high school, right, like you know playing sports and 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 succeeding and doing well, like we don't think about that, we think about the the catastrophic shit. So what I literally have to do is as soon as I start going down that fucking path, I have to just get back to the, and this is a, this is a sobriety mantra one day at a time. I have to get back to the present and enjoy what's going on now and just, and just have faith um, in God and, and how Charlie's going to progress because that is, that is, it, it paralyzes you when you start, have that that fearful thinking am i going to be able to handle this shit am i going to be good enough is he going to look up to me when he's older so so that's what i do it's you know try it because you you i don't want you to be fearful and i say that but here i do it too um because i know you're going to be a great fucking dad you have a the best role model on how to do it in the world mm. you've you've lived a life you you've seen the shit uh, these kids uh when you have kids and then with with Charlie, they might be fucked because we know all the tricks to the trade, right? <laughs> so yeah, it, it may be it, you know. So we got to give ourselves a tough, crap. It's going to be a tough road, tough road for them, uh-huh. you know. But here I say that, and <laughs> we'll probably be the softest, right? <laughs> right, and Ma and Molly to put that in perspective, Chris is Molly's the. She's the, the, I don't know the proper word, the yin to my yang. Like, I roll out of bed still to this day, right? I got to go through my process. But um, as my dad put it before, you're an angry young man. And, and still to this day, right? I, I still, that's attached to my my uh, uh, my addiction is, is my temperament, my anger that you are familiar with as well, Chris, yeah, yeah. right? We, we both struggle with that. A little hot-headed and... Uh, you know, it's uh, we wrestled at Big Daddy's one night, all fucked yeah, up. Yeah, right. Hey, remember this? Remember this? You broke this before. Remember that? I re- I fucking repaid you. <laughs> I felt so bad. I was fucking. <laughs> I was. I was on whiskey, coke, and Xanax that night, and trying to tell. I was trying. This is all on me. It was after your mom passed away, and I asked Eric to meet me at Fridays to just check in on how he was doing. So I'm like, "How are you doing?" Meanwhile, you know, I got powder hanging from my nose. I've just done some fucking Xanax. I've got two bottles of whiskey in me and a couple shots of Rumplemans, you know. But hey, listen to me, Eric. Listen to me. I got it figured out. <laughs> um, 
and I don't know yeah, what happened. Yeah, that would have helped to know that night because I think uh, that was the first night I went to the doctor and was like, listen, I'm struggling with pain medication, so I had to go to the bar to – couldn't find a supply. So I was damn near halfway in active withdrawals. Meanwhile, you're <laughs> you're fully blown high. It would have helped to know at the current time. Yeah. But well, we've had better ideas. Um <laughs> And uh, it was a. Uh, I ended up we rolled uh, rolled around in a parking lot. And I think I broke one of his necklaces. His mom gave him, and it was the worst thing that I still to this day makes my stomach sick. But um, I, I I I I had to do whatever I could to try to fix that, and and hopefully I I, I made a you know I didn't completely absolutely. Yeah. But um, you know, to go to go back to to your when you when you knew it, and your mom was. Um, sick and she was struggling when i heard you say one time that when she finally did did pass away um that that was your your pill supply ran out yeah um can you elaborate on that a little bit um so i'll take it a step a step further back right this is terrible it's unfortunate but this is what active addiction does so you, better than anybody, know how close our family is. Me and my two sisters, mom and dad. Very, very, very tight family, right? Even further than that. Grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, like Amen. very close-knit family. The night she passed away, I'm heartbroken, right? I'm uh, in the house I am currently, right? My grandmother's house at the time. But that's not the only reason I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken because my pill supply now will cease to exist. So it's the sleaziest thing that I think I could ever try to explain. And you just, for anybody listening, there's probably a cringe. But I believe in full transparency. And that's where if you don't get real with this shit, then... People just see the aftermath, the product of the finished product or the continuing finished product of what sobriety and being clean and sober offers, right? But you have to talk about that real shit to see that every individual goes through their own trials and tribulations to, to get where they need to go. But that night when she passed away, the only thought on my mind, are the not only the, the one thought on my mind is that I'm losing my mom, my everything, my world. Right. But I'm losing my my supply for for painkillers. So that in itself is that those emotions are so conflicting. Right. Because you're angry and sad for one thing. Then you're angry and sad for another. And meanwhile, I know that in about 12 hours, I'm going to start sweating. I'm going to be tired and I can't sleep hungry. I can't eat restless legs. My lower back's going to hurt. I'm going to be sweating. My palms, who knew a palm can sweat, right? Everything happens. I'm going to watch my restless legs run all around the room and there's nothing I can do with it but to continue to get hot. So me having some wits about me, thinking that maybe this is the time to stop, I tried. Fast forward a couple days further, while I didn't want to talk to my family, I didn't engage in any of... Uh, Physically, I did, but mentally, I was somewhere else in any of the funeral arrangements and such forth. Um, felt like shit. Felt like the night of the living dead. I was the walking dead for those couple days. 
And at her funeral, at her funeral, I made a phone call and went and got high in the bathroom. Went and got high in the bathroom at my mom's funeral. Like, that is just unbelievable, right? There was a point in time where I was ashamed to say that. Not today. Not today. Because people need to hear this and understand that you will go to any lengths necessary in active addiction, right? And for individuals that are not there yet, that is what exactly what that is. That's the case of the yet. So when you talk to hmm. someone that just struggles with alcoholic or alcohol and they identify as an alcoholic and they say, well, I would never do, you know, any blow or painkillers or heroin. I would never do that. Like heroin addicts don't look like the guy below the bridge with a scruffy beard with an overcoat pushing a grocery cart anymore. No. They look like, uh, you know, uh, they're wearing a, a polo shirt with some jeans and they're 14, 13, 14 years of age in high school, right? And it's all as uh, the growing process from pills to a smarter business transaction to heroin, more or nowadays fentanyl, cheaper, more readily available. You get more bang for your buck, right? Isn't that isn't that the idea? Isn't that why, Chris, in the day we would buy a 30-pack of Natty Light and not a six-pack? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's you get more bang for your buck it's a better buy so that's what took place so in my mother's funeral i snuck off to the bathroom and got high and then when i did that that's when the emotions started because prior to that i had none Uh, you're you literally are emotionless and i had one thing on my my brain i was literally i mean that when i say that i was physically dependent mentally obsessed and i got high in the bathroom I got high on Oxycontin. I did not graduate to heroin at that point. But the wheels were turning in my head because heroin was becoming more readily available. And Oxycontin, uh, who wants to take a pill? We used to snort that pill. And Oxycontin, whoever made it, Purdue Pharma or whatever it is, whoever the distributor, whatever kind it was, it doesn't matter. But you could no longer snort it. They, they, They got smarter. And seeing what was happening to the youngsters out there, uh, you know, uh, trying these pills and taking them for unprescribed reasons. And so they tried to make it to where you could not snort this medication. For me, that's part of what I enjoyed. So it was graduation time. I, I, I don't mean that in a positive light. I mean that in it was realistically the point of where. I was graduating from pills to heroin, to heroin. And my mindset was, well, I can do heroin. I'll just snort that. I would never touch a needle. I don't, I'm scared of needles. I don't like needles. They're, they're sharp. They hurt. Who wants to do that? Right. It gives you a Hollywood depiction of uh, being a junkie, right? Um, you know, and then there was a graduation until at further on down the road where not so long, but probably a month or two later where I uh, shot dope intravenously. Right. But I had someone do it for me. I made that individual wear gloves and, and Neil Sporn. <laughs> I wanted to be a safe intravenous drug user. Right. I hear you. Uh, I don't mean to laugh. But... And my, my first counselor said, when I told her that, she laughed at me. Not just that. Okay, good. I feel better. Yeah, yeah. She she laughed at me. She goes, "Wow, Eric. Uh, I don't. 
I've never heard that. Um, but you truly are an all-American junkie. That's what she said to me. All-American junkie. Man, that hurt my ego. I was, I was, uh, there was a bunch of four-letter words in my mind. Uh-huh. Uh, my mom raised a better individual, so I didn't let her know that's what I was thinking. But I had a bunch of words I was thinking in my mind when she called me that. But to this day, she was 100% correct. That was me. So whether you're ready to hear that or not is is was yeah. the issue i get it that's i've heard you tell that before where it's you, you never you never think you're gonna right be a hair you're gonna do heroin right and then yeah next yeah. thing you know you end yeah. up you're doing heroin and, and yeah and my dad my dad asked me one time he says uh when the cat came out of the bag actually my sister right jennifer found uh on a syringe at my dad's house at the time. And uh, needless to say, <laughs> she was not happy. Right? And uh, that's when my family, my two sisters and my dad kind of had that intervention with me. And I was filled with a bunch of excuses. Right? Uh, I was throwing everybody under the bus uh-huh. <laughs> other than me. Right. right? It, this happens to other people, not me. Right. And, um, Meanwhile, it was me. It was me. And uh, my dad asked me, he says, heroin. How did it come to this? Heroin. He said, I must have done something wrong. I know your mother did not do anything wrong. So I must have done something wrong. What did I do wrong? Hmm. I couldn't explain it. Um, The only words I can muster at that time was, Dad, I didn't roll out of bed one Tuesday rainy afternoon and say, you know what? Today I'm going to try heroin. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. Right. Comes in, uh, comes increasing in, in you increasingly go in that direction. And that's why I say when individuals say I would never do that. Well, that's, that's just a, a case of the yes. If you don't do something about your active addiction, right? If you don't, uh, you know, do what's necessary to obtain that daily reprieve. So when did you first check into a treatment facility? Because I think it's important because you mentioned earlier that there were, <clears throat> it didn't stick on the first first time or maybe the second, but I, I'm not, I know you've had a couple stents. So, so let's sure. talk about that. Yeah, June, um, <clears throat> so... <clears throat> But I just spoke on with that, that situation where the cat was out of the bag. Mm-hmm. My sister found uh, a syringe at the house and talked to my dad. I had a plan. I had a, I had a plan of action, right? I can do this. I can, I can get Suboxone off the street. I can um, just dose myself, just, you know, uh, once again, self-medicate myself and then taper myself off. That doesn't work. <laughs> That's that done. Period. It doesn't work, right? So for anybody listening that's struggling, uh, any of the three or four viewers you got out there. Chris, Sex, God damn it. Uh, Sex. <laughs> any of them out there, listen, that doesn't work. Just no jokes about that part. It doesn't work. You need to get yourself some help. Let the professionals do what they're, uh, what they're trained and educated to do, right? But I tried that way. A couple days later, I'm back getting the high. And... Um, 
I get a call from an individual. Um, actually, I got nine calls from this individual. And I answered about on the 10th one, ninth or 10th one. That's a true story. And I was so fucking mad that the same phone number kept calling me that I picked up and I was, I was, I was on one. I was pissed. You ready to crack somebody? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. So I picked up and answered real angry, you know, like, hello, you know, yelling. I heard a, <laughs> a little, am I allowed to say his name, Chris? Am I allowed to, is this, uh, is this someone I should not mention, even though he's been on your show? Yeah, you could say his name. Okay, cool. I'm sure he'll like to He should out. sponsor this fucking thing. But yeah, right, a right. So a little, little meek, mild voice on that. <laughs> like, hey, yo, E, what's up, buddy? And, uh. I didn't know who it was. I was like, who the fuck is this? And uh, when I asked him that, he goes, uh, you know me, uh, I, uh, are you dating my sister? And I, uh, I said, oh, man, here we go. Here we go. Who is this now? Right, right. I, right. Said, I was thinking like, damn, somebody's out front. <laughs> I'm going to lace up the shoes. I feel good. Like, this is the last thing I need right now, right? Tape uh, up the knucks, yeah. Yeah, right? But it was uh it was Nick Bowman, right? Love and this man I'm gonna jump ahead. This man saved my life. Right? Helped me save helped me save my life. Right. Right. But I needed someone on his and his his knowledge, his experience. It was not a an elaborate conversation. It was not an extensive conversation. When he said who it was, I already knew what he what he was going or had been through and how he was doing at that current time, which was great. It was and still is great. Yep. And he simply asked me, Chris, he said, How are you doing, buddy? That's all I needed. That is all that I needed. That is a true story. I cried right then and there. It's the first time someone asked me, how are you doing? Sorry, I had to spit out my my tobacco. That's You got uh, some chaw? Yeah. Big yeah. some red but, chief or whatever from San from the uh from Sandlot? Big chief. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but he asked me that question, Chris, and that's I mean that. That's that's all that I needed. Because everybody wanted to give me direction and tell me what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And that and it, that too is because everybody was fear based. They loved me and they were looking out for me. He simply asked me how I was doing. And, man, the floodgates opened. I just, uh, I broke down right then and there. I said, not good, not good. I'm dying. I can't live with it. I can't live without it. I don't know what to do. And uh, I didn't, I was ignorant to the fact that I didn't know what resources were out there outside of dosing myself with Suboxone, right? I went, uh, tried other things that didn't work. I thought rehab, you, you need to have a lot of money. Our family comes from humble roots. I had a pocket full of lint and active addiction. You, you rarely have more than that. Um, I had my job, and uh, I just finished college. I just graduated college. So I started ahead in life, right, on paper, per se, and now here I am, full-blown heroin addict, junkie, yeah. right? And... Um, when I told him I wasn't doing good, he says, I know, man, I know. So my sisters kind of back-channeled and reached out to him, 
he called me. It was probably a 10-minute conversation. He says, you willing to get sober? You willing to do whatever it takes, man? I said, absolutely. He goes, okay. Your plane leaves tomorrow at 8 a.m. I said, oh, hold up. Right, right, right. 8, 8 a.m. Let's get real. Even, yeah, 8 a.m. is not even 12 hours from now. What do you mean? Where am I going? And he says, you're coming down to Florida. I own a treatment center. And um, the, the next statement, I'm, I'm, Nick knows me, understands, but I, I also know Nick, right? And I said, motherfucker, if this isn't real and I get off that plane, we are going to have a very, very thorough diplomatic conversation <laughs> because it was hard to believe. It was literally somebody called me and was willing to take me by the hand and show me that there's a way out, right? And I'm forever, forever, I have to give him his shine. He knows this. Um, he's one of my best friends and, and a big brother to me as you are. Uh, he took me by the hand, man, and he guided me through the process. He didn't brush my hair and tell me I'm pretty, right? He kept it real. Nick is Nick keeps it real, and that's that's where I've learned a lot, if not most of my knowledge from, is because uh, he's a straight shooter and a fucking uh, trailblazer for me too. I get it. Yeah, yeah, and um, I was yeah I was blown away at the fact, but there was still because I'm it's all fear based for me. I'm scared. If someone asks me, what are you scared of? I just shorten it up, right? The, the, the narrative is everything. So um, being a scared young man in active addiction, I didn't know if this was real, what it looked like. I thought detox was a wool blanket, some cafeteria food. Good luck. We'll check your pulse later. Um, and you're thrown in a cell. I didn't know what it looks like. I had a million questions. The only thing I did right was keep that open mind. And uh, I was willing to do whatever it took, man. I really was. Um which now, jumping ahead, didn't work out the first time or the first uh, five or six times, right? But every single time, Chris, I wanted to be clean and sober. I just failed at the implementation part. Okay. Um, to where guys like yourself and Nick uh, and, and I could go on. I have a list of them that showed me the way that, you know, as long as you got a, you know, a lungs full of breath of fresh fresh air left you gotta pull them bootstraps up and get back in there you know um mm -hmm. my sister bought me a, a a portrait of rocky that says it's not how how hard you you fall it's how quick you get back up right so that's kind of a motto i try to live by because i got a a bad tendency of bumping my head at everything i do learning the hard way so mm -hmm. i get back in there and that's that was where i first got introduced with uh my first stint first rehab mm -hmm. slash resort slash vacation, however you want to say it, in South Florida. Um, it was the opposite of what I thought rehab was going to be. And uh, that's when I was able to really, you know, become comfortable with the fact that I identify myself as an alcoholic and uh, and also as an addict as well. So I, uh, I remember when you went down and it just about you people you love brother like you know weight came off of my shoulder and then um fast forward in between a, a couple of the of the times that you 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 spent in florida um you had came came home and uh man i was fired up to see you we were going to go to a baseball game you remember that vaguely um 
we I, I went out. It was I, I got us tickets. I was going to take you to Bush. I was about a year and a half into my my sobriety journey and recovery life life of recovery, if you will. And um, I, was, I, I I drove over to your house, and, and what I what I showed up to was a uh, was a mess. Absolutely. And um, and I knew we I knew we were we were we were hurting. Um, I it was I mean ten thirty. It was a day game, I think. Or no, I I forget what time. Well, ten thirty is definitely when I started my my pregame. So right, right, right. So I think I got over there about three because it was a night, a six o'clock game, and I I drove from Webster back over to to Fairview Heights over by Belleville, and um, I I you let me in, and you were in your bedroom just slamming fireball and crying, so upset, pissed off at everyone. And I knew there was no fucking way I could take you to Bush Stadium. They were going to let you in. And it takes yeah. a lot to like for for somebody at Bush Stadium to be not allowed in. But I knew so. I had to get him out of. Your, I had to get you out of your house because you were you were self fucking destruction destructing. And and we drove over to Webster and you came over to my house and uh, I I you know live next door to my mom. You know the mama's boy too. You know make all the jokes. <laughs> she had come home from something and uh, we were outside just chatting on the patio and my mom was walking up and I go mom. It's Eric. You remember Eric Conley, and she saw how bad a shape you were in. And as soon as she was, you know, hi Eric, and gave you a hug, and you're like, hi Mrs. Pondoff. You know, you Eddie Haskell'd her too to kind of, you know, show me how it was done. And uh, and when you when we left, uh, I, I took I had to take you home, and it was you know about ten o'clock at night, and you 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 were puking over the Poplar Street Bridge as we were driving home, and. Um, I dropped you off and I said a big fucking prayer, man. And I, I just, I, I begged God to, 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 to get, get with it and, and, and send you the help you needed. And, um, and I got in the car and my mom had texted me. She's like, I'm really praying for Eric. I'm really worried about him. And that next day I had to reach out to, I had to reach out to Jen. And, um, but it wasn't shortly after that 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 you went you went back right yeah yep and yeah, I, did I, you go to florida or new jersey at that at that point no that i was still living in florida right so i flew back and then um uh i went up to uh discovery institute in new jersey nick nick once again that his place in marlboro new jersey i uh a week before i went back nick called me and, and he asked me uh, he's like, look, man, and he didn't ask me. He told me and he said, uh, look, man, I know you're struggling. Um, you know, and he wanted to give me Narcan. So I was drinking and, uh, and using. And, uh, when I got back, I was using when I seen you, Chris, I was just, uh, not just, but I didn't graduate to, uh, to the other substances. It was alcohol at that point. But, uh, tried to give me a bottle of Narcan and, and I was refusing it, and I said, no, I'm not doing nothing, denial, denial, denial. And then fast forward a week later after he did that, uh, I called him and begged him, begged him for um, what I told him is the last favor I'll ever ask for. Because I didn't have, uh, didn't have insurance, didn't have money once again, right? It's a common theme. And uh, he laid down the line. He says, Eric, you know, I love you, man, but uh, I'm borderline enabling this, right? So, uh, 
fast forward, he, he agreed on uh, the contingency that um, this is the last time because he has to draw that healthy boundary. And, uh, yeah, I, it's it, it, it all started with that. Like I said, I always wanted it. And when I flew back, I remember this is when you started the Pondos, Pondos Anonymous and started writing uh, – you know, with your blogs and stuff and sharing them. And uh, I followed it every time you would uh, post. And I wanted it. I just had to get that to that, that uh, practice humility and humbleness and just mm-hmm. my own way. Get out of my own way, man. So flew up to Jersey. And that was it. That was it. Actually, that was not it. All right, that keeps on going, Eric. God, when, we're going to get when, there. Yeah, when I went in to Jersey or Discovery Institute in New Jersey, I was out of detox, transitioned into residential level of care. Right, so now I'm an inpatient. Three days in, somebody had a bright idea who was local on how they could get heroin into the facility. I had some money, right? Sounded like a good idea. Um, and I said, here's some money. Give me what I need. And then everybody else, get away from me. Get away from me, right? So I relapsed in treatment and then uh, was about to be kicked out on the street in New Jersey. Um, my sisters and my dad are all but wrote me off at that point. They have to. It was they have to, right? Absolutely. Uh, my oldest sister, Angie, she said, listen, I begged and pleaded for her not to write me off. I just, I needed somebody to talk to, right? To know that I'm not doing this all for nothing per se, right? Because that's what's playing in my mind. And uh, she says, Eric, I'm telling you, this, uh, I think she's even said, and she doesn't really talk like that. I swear to God, I swear to, swear to mom that this is it. Um, so when I relapsed inside the facility, once again, begged and pleaded, and, and uh, I was brought up in front of about a, uh, probably about 120 other uh, clients, other members, and uh, publicly humiliated, which was exactly what I needed. Because in there, I was a leader, and they were looking, you know, to... Uh, for me, for some advice and my experience and stuff like that. And it was hopefully it helped them to see that you may have all the knowledge. You may know all the knowledge, but it's what you do with it. And uh, I did the opposite of what I may have been preaching in there. That's crazy. And uh, it was a start over point again. That was the last time. That was the last time. And when I was publicly shamed, it, it was exactly what I needed. I was standing in a puddle of tears, literally, and uh, I don't think there was a dry eye in the place um, with all the members and such forth, but it was a prime example of, once again, you, you may want this thing. You may aspire to for a life of clean and being clean and, and sober, but it's what you do with it. It's what you do with it, and it's, it's, it's a daily battle. you got to pull them bootstraps up day in and day out. And if you're not progressing forward with your your recovery, then you're going backwards. There's no such thing as staying staying neutral. 
I like that. Uh, complacency too is uh, is a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. We say that a lot in in the business world, but it's I think true in <clears throat> the uh, recovery recovery world. So Eric, that's uh, I, I can't. It's just a, it's sometimes hard to hear, but so important. Like you had mentioned, the the transparency. Uh, and and I can relate to the to the public humiliation um, or the humiliation that feeling. Uh, and, and it just clicked as you said that. And and there's been a couple times that that happened to me through my drinking and and um, you know definitely alcoholism was my number one. But there was other shit. Uh, it was cocaine or it was the other big one. And um, there were a couple times where I did. I look back and that feeling that humiliated feeling that that gut-wrenching and it humbles you quickly right Absolutely. And, and that's a um yeah that just it just a light bulb went off um as we are <clears throat> getting <clears throat> toward the end excuse me i want to talk about your what you're doing now because it's so uh important your work is so important and i know that you're <clears throat> helping people help themselves on a daily basis um, and and how it drives you and to, to say that I'm fucking proud. I mean, I look up to you, so it's, you know, I'm not trying to give you a fucking hand job here on the, uh, on the air, but you're doing some great fucking work, man, and um, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, first off, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Um at currently, I'm uh, the director of admissions at Sana Lake Recovery, um, local rehabilitation center in Denver, Missouri. Man, it's uh, first and foremost. I, I I'm in my dream. I I have my dream job. I, I'm I'm trying to squeeze a couple more nickels out of it. Don't get me wrong. I uh, <laughs> trying, you know that's always uh, had to throw that in there, Nick Boatman. Um, but <laughs> but. It's my dream job. And I, and I say that because it's not that every day is peachy, um, but every day I get to reflect on, one, how many individuals I get to help, and then, two, how far I've come, right? Because the, the, the stuff that I say, the knowledge that I may or may not have, it, it's solely based on just, I say, transparency and honesty is um, – Individuals that come through the doors looking for help at Sana Lake, uh, I, I get the privilege to be honest with them. Just talk from experience. This is not scripted. There's no, uh, there's no format. It is just me getting real. It's what we're doing now. Right. And I get honor to tell them what's taking place, what happened, my experience, strength, and hope, and and uh, just tell them. There's a phrase. There goes I, and. Everybody that walks through the door, there goes I, there goes I. There's, you know, even when someone's coming in and they're, they're being a knucklehead, there goes I. Someone's not wanting to, you know, that pain is not great enough or has incentivized them enough internally to, to make that change. There goes I, right? So I get the privilege, the opportunity to just keep it real and share with them my, uh, my experience. And um, as the director of admissions, I get to meet with everybody that walks through them doors, right? And um, it's 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 an amazing feeling. 
One, because the facility in itself is helping so many individuals. We, we opened last year, 2019, and, um, August 1st, and we just blasted off, right? So that's a, that's a bittersweet thing, right? Unfortunately, the epidemic and so many people, the opiate epidemic, and now it's, you know, transitioned to other substances as well. But this, this area needed a premier facility, uh, a dual diagnosis facility that could help individuals struggling with the disease of addiction. Right. Our clinical team and everything is I, I can go on and on. Our clinical team and medical team is phenomenal. And uh, it's a beautiful facility. I've been it's there. Yeah. Right. You've been there opening day, Chris, open house. And it's uh, it's got that serene feel to it and allows you to get, you know, uh, an opportunity to hit that restart button, focus on yourself and uh it's it's uh starts from the top down the co-founders and all the way down to the peasants such as myself (laughs) we we get the opportunity to just create our footprint in the industry with a unique approach and it's in the area the midwest here where addiction is run rampant um and it's a premier facility and like i said you don't have to travel to south florida like i did um you it's it's out in the sticks right yeah, it, is. Is, it needs to be though it needs to be yeah yeah so that it's it's a it's a great thing because it's beautiful out there in the country but um i don't know uh, nick told me it was dipmer missouri i said where who <laughs> i never quite heard of that did the the, the, the song the deliverance theme song play yeah the yeah exactly a guy out front playing a banjo uh, <laughs> I think the town population is 16, but, um, so all jokes aside, it's a beautiful facility and I get, I get the opportunity to help individuals on a daily basis. It is truly an, uh, a blessing for me. Um, and since we've opened, we've, we've helped over 800 individuals. Um, and we just, you know, we're not even at our year marker yet. Right. It, that's in, it's incredible and we're expanding. So, um, it reminds me of now that having this position, I always say this, it reminds me of going backwards, right? There's mile markers in your life and in your career, right? So Molly stuck with me, my fiance, stuck with me through active addiction. When I was doing well, I had almost nine months uh, clean and sober, the, the second go around after treatment. I was doing well, saving some money. Driving a still driving a 1995 Nissan Maxima, which I think you had one too, Chris. Yeah, I told you. That's like my baby, right? I didn't have any oil in it. That was the car that <laughs> is old faithful, right? And we 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 went to the beach, and here's a mile marker, right? So this is my job now is a mile marker, and that I love. Back then, a mile marker was we went to the beach. We put down towels and people on the beach are blankets and you lay in the sand, you enjoy the ocean and the sun. I, before we went to the beach, I bought beach chairs, right? And they're $40 a piece. They got cup holders, they're <laughs> backpack. You don't have to sit on the sand. I don't like sand, right? The beach to me could be all concrete. I would enjoy it. Amen. Just the I'm a pool guy. <laughs> yeah. Sand and my we're, ass. Sitting on, we're sitting on the beach chairs. And I lit up a cigar, 
And Molly looks at me. She goes, why are you so happy? And I said, honey, we got beach chairs. We made it. <laughs> and, it and, I, and I just, I, I puffed on my scar. I had life figured. I had life figured. We made it, honey. We got beach chairs. And it shows you that it's the small things, right? It's the small things. And then now contingent upon your sobriety, further on down the timeline, here I am at Sana Lake, director of admissions, and we made it, right? We made it. It's, it, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's awesome. And um, it's, it's a great feeling. I, I'm blessed to have this opportunity. And hopefully um, I only continue to grow in my recovery and, and my faith and my personal and professional lives as well. Well, um, you have, uh, you have, you have your, your, your mother's strength and, and period. I mean that, and, and to others, it that may sound like a nice compliment, but it's a fact and what it, what you know, your mom's strength more than anyone and what, and her resolve and her, she was a, she's a fucking warrior and, um, and you are as well. And you have that in you and your story gives so much hope out there to people that, um, are, are, are at, at or nearing rock bottom. Um, where we know that land and for the people that are listening that have, Eric's in their lives and Chris Pondos in their lives that and Nick Boatman's in their lives. He was, he was, you know, he's been there too. Um, there's hope and there's, uh, places out there that'll take you. Sauna Lake being one of them. Um, you know, we're not affiliated by any means with Sauna Lake, but we, uh, you know, we're all brothers out there and, and any always willing to help the best that we can. And if anybody's willing to help themselves and there's, there's people out there that are, that are close to St. Louis that you don't have to go to New Jersey or, or Florida or California or whatever, you know, the passages of fucking Malibu that you see on TV. And there's places right here in, in, in St. Louis, um, a place that can, that can help you change your life. And, um, it doesn't seem possible to you now, but I, I, I pro- the, what, what you, what you're hearing with Eric's story is, uh, the impossible becoming possible. And, um, and some of the hardest, most gut wrenching shit that someone's gone through, um, from, from getting high at, at, at his mother's funeral in the, in the, in the bathroom to being the director of admissions at a, at a beautiful recovery center and, and literally help saving people's lives. So Eric, I, uh, I love you, man. And I, 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 you know that, and I can't, um, thank you enough for, for being this transparent, brutally honest and, and, um, you know, the smart aleck fuck that you are. (laughs) (laughs) You told you told me one time, Chris. You said, uh, "You know, asshole. I know how you're clean and sober. If you still got your slick mouth and your and your your, your witty fucking comments, I believe that's uh, in quote." Yeah. You know what? And, and that that means you're doing good. That's it. That's um, it. I like to have fun, and that's what it's about, man. As as 
as we all should, as you do, myself, and, and, and uh, countless others who are clean and sober, man. And it's it's just so possible. That's the message here, guys. We gotta. I want you guys to know that, and we're we're here to to help. So if you need to, you know that how to reach out to us, and I can get you in touch with with Eric and Nick out there at Sauna Lake in, in a heartbeat, and um, and they'll try to make you know they'll make it work. They'll get you a spot, and we'll we'll show you the give you the tools. They'll they'll give you the tools. They'll they'll sit with you in the fucking pit um, because they can empathize and and they can show you the way and it's it doesn't just save your own life but it 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 really does save the lives of the the people that are in your circle that that love you the most most and that um that that their happiness relies on your health um that's what families are that's what they do and and eric you uh come from one of the best and um and I love all you guys, and uh, thanks for being here. And before we close, I want to show you I was getting – I've had this forever, and I've been – I didn't know the time. I'm going to give these to you, but these are the uh, these are the tickets to the Cardinals game that I saved um, that we missed. And that I we missed? Does that, does that have a refund, like a rain check? Is no, I a... wish, but um, we're going to we're gonna that... make it up, and I'm going to give you – I kept these, um, and I, I sticky-noted it, Easy e um, so that's what we, I coined that yeah. nickname for this little guy. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. It's stuck still to this day. I asked Jeff to, to open the show today with give me that nut by easy E and, um, we, <laughs> we don't have copyright. Uh, we get in trouble for that, but, but I have these tickets and, uh, I've kept them since that day because I knew there was a problem, but I, I had all the faith in the world that I was going to be able to give these to you one day when you, when you, like you said, made it. So next time I see you, these are, I want you to keep these. And um, I don't care what you fucking do with them. You can't sell them, so don't be, you know. They're, <laughs> but I'm going to keep mine, and I want to give you yours. It's like the two turtle doves on the fucking Home Alone show. It's kind of cute, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like that. I've always that been is- pretty fucking poetic. You can ask your sister about that. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I, no, I appreciate that, man. Seriously. That was... uh. That's another one I'd say a, a mile marker, right? That when that happened, man, I needed someone to get real with me that wasn't afraid to hurt my feelings and, and like I said, brush my hair and tell me I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. I needed someone that would say, listen, you need to tighten up and uh, you need to do it fast, right? So I thank you, man. I thank you very much. Uh, I love you too, brother. Jeff, thank you. Uh, you guys for having me on, man, this opportunity and, and maybe uh, – for the three or four viewers out there, maybe I can make Fucking friends. Fucking sex. With like it's, uh, you know, whatever works, whatever works. <laughs> we're uh, we're just continuing to pound the pavement through this COVID shit, and and like we said when we started this thing, here, um, if we can help one person, uh, it's all worth the time and effort and the uh, right, right. And with that one person, if you start paying people, I'm gonna need a check. <laughs> yeah, I know it. He's always hustling. It, right? yeah. you guys, if you guys, if you guys blow up and uh, you see what other podcasts are doing and reading the numbers, if that takes place, I'm gonna just need a check. All right, well, right? all right, well, well, noted. You know, he's fucking hustled a couple times on the show already. He's asked for a raise. He's all right. 
That's going to get expensive. That's, that's, that's planting seeds, right? <laughs> little, little cookie crumbs, right? It's just planting seeds, right, Jeff? That's right, man. Yeah. Man, thanks for being here, though, for real. I hope you know how powerful your story is. Really powerful. Thank you, brother. And uh, Eric, pray for you every day, brother. Love you to death. And um, give your family, tell them all I said hello. Um, tell your dad I'm keeping up with my car. Um, I get an oil change regularly. Uh, <laughs> I do got. I do have somebody key right when I got it. Um, I think it was potentially an ex. It got keyed, and there's still so not. I got most of it fixed, but it's a little reminder of how things used to be. Every time I see it, records hey, hey, of the past, brother. Records of the, uh, the past. I love you know it. I mean? That's that's why you got to keep like. Uh, you got to keep like an old 1995 Nissan Maxima laying around, right? But <laughs> the, the thought process at that point is, what are we going to do? Hurt it more? Right, that's right? a good point. Yeah, yep. I, uh, I, I, and I notoriously drive these cars till the till the wheels literally come off them. So I have to pay some pay the junkyard to take them. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, give give the, tell everyone I said hello, man. Enjoy your weekend. Um, I, I know you're working on your tan and your little chiseled fucking abs. You know, I, you like it. You're looking pretty, and you don't need to no more. You got the girl, all right. You got the girl. You can let it go. Listen, listen. It ain't she. Don't love me for the money. <laughs> so, so, so I got I got to keep somewhat of the the looks going a, a little bit because. It ain't the money. <laughs> you got your hair. You got some hair still, so you're good, brother. But now yeah, you got her. Yeah. You can let it go. So, uh, so you know, go eat a fucking cheeseburger. All right. <laughs> thanks for Thank being you. here, brother. I love you to death. Um, thanks everyone for listening. And um, as always, um, just let us pray. Thanks, guys. Take care. If you're struggling or know someone that is, please, please have them check out our podcast and reach out to Chris or me. We want to listen, and we're super eager to help. Pondoff's Anonymous is Chris Pondoff and produced by me, Jeff Allen. Our music is Antihero by McCall and Gentle Waters by Wild Wonder. For more information, visit pondoffsanonymous.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram.